Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, my people? This is another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. How you doing today, my love? I'm well. How are you today? I can't complain. Today's topic is called Frozen in Time. Frozen in Time. Have you ever heard of cryosleep? <laughs> I have not heard of cryosleep. Cryosleep is a deep sleep during which the body is stored at a very cold temperature to preserve it. Here's a brief history. The word itself is also derived from the Greek time for cold, and it means the low temperature preservation of a human corpse with hopes that one day it can be restored to life and full health. Bodies are cooled down to a negative 200 degrees, uh, excuse me, 200 Celsius and placed in a container of liquid nitrogen. So it says here that Michigan professor Robert Edinger proposed cryonics in 1964 in a book called The Prospect of Immortality, Mm -hmm. which argued that death could in fact be a reversible process. The first person to be cryopreserved was Dr. James Bedford in 1967. He died of kidney cancer, but his will was to be put in a cryo chamber in hopes that one day in the future, doctors will be able to bring him back. Ettinger, who died in 2011, went on to found the Cryonics Institute in Michigan, where he, his mother, and his first and second wives all now reside in metal flasks kept in negative 196 Celsius degrees. (laughs) The only thing that was funny is his first and second wife. His he first froze, and second wife. He, he, he froze all both of them. Although the concept <laughs> has never became mainstream, around six companies were established in the 1970s to use the technology. But the majority uh, uh, could not cover the fixed cost of preserving the bodies, thus went brank- bankrupt. And the number of people choosing to sign up is steadily increasing year and year. There are now nearly 300 cryogenically frozen individuals in the United States Mm -hmm. and another 50 in Russia. And a few thousand prospective candidates signed up. There are even more than 30 pets at uh, Alker's Chambers. The largest crinic cry, organization in the world in Arizona that has been around since 1972. So, but the animals didn't even ask for that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just the owners being like, okay, let me just see what happens if I, you know, preserve my dog. But what if the person that preserved them is no longer alive? I guess they're going to have to preserve themselves too. I guess. How much does it cost to cryogenically freeze a body? Well, prices with other organizations can be as much as 200000 or more 
for whole body cryopreservation and eighty thousand dollars for a neuro head only option. Hold on. Wait, wait. Hold on. So people are chopping off their heads and freezing them. That's what it sounds like. Maybe they'll attach it to a robot. That reminds <laughs> me of an episode on um, what was that show called? Um, Animated. Yeah, it was on Fox. Futurama. Futurama. Mm-hmm. You remember the episodes? I don't remember the episode. I just know what you were referring to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my bad. Go ahead. With CI, a whole body cryopreservation costs as little as $28,000. Little. Rendering, <laughs> small million, loan of a million dollars. Right. Rendering an alternative neuro option unnecessary. What do they freeze the bodies in? The body will then be cooled on dry ice until it reaches negative uh, 130 Celsius, at which point it will be placed into a container inside a large metal tank, which will be filled with liquid nitrogen to keep the body at a temperature of around negative 196 Celsius. Who was the first person to be cryogenically frozen alive? Uh, and, you know? Yeah, James Bedford. We had answered that it was James Bedford. Mm-hmm. That's the same trouble with cryosleep. The most popular means of travel of sci-fi movies and literature where protagonists have to go to other planets by light years. Mm. However, it could be that if we make it work, it would really be a game changer from saving terminally ill patients to solving one of the main problems of interstellar travel. And there are many attempts to make it a reality. An Atlanta-based startup, SpaceWorks Enterprise, what is what they're called, works with NASA to develop a uh, stasis chamber. The module lower the body uh, to a temperature of 32 Celsius and creates a mid hypothermia, mild hypothermia, excuse me. And with multiple sessions, a room like that could be a massive advancement in space travel. But it's not suspended animation. It's rather a deep sleep called uh, torpor. Significantly reduces metabolic rates for humans over extended periods of time. SpaceWorks believes that NASA should leverage these advances for spaceflight as they can potentially eliminate the very challenging technical hurdles and ultimately enable feasible and sustainable mission to Mars. Hmm. The trouble with cryogenics and cryosleep is pure physics. Our cells are filled with water, and when you freeze water, it expands and forms crystals, which irreversibly damages the body. Interesting. Cryotherapy, cryosleep, and cryogenics, however, will continue to exist. Cryosleep will undoubtedly advance as the most promising technique for interstellar travel, whereas cryotherapy may decline as the next big thing emerges in cryosleep preservation may never be proven to be effective that's a lot of science fiction type information here what do you think about that um 
all of the information that was presented to us, now I'm trying to determine what the difference between cryotherapy, cryosleep, and cryogenics is. Mm. Because along the way, I got completely confused. But to summarize what I um, kind of took away from the entire article was that there's this scientific theory that if you preserve the bodies long enough, in the future we'll have enough technology to bring people back to life. Correct. <laughs> um, I think that it's cool if other people want to experiment and do those things, but for myself, I would like to just pass when I pass. And when do you do it? Like, do you do it right b b when you get old or before you death or if you have, like, a disease that's incurable now and you might think they might have a cure in the future? Or do you do it now when you're just like, I got, I got $28,000. Why not just put myself to sleep for it? 50 to 100 years and what type of rent do you have to pay to live in this 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 cryo stasis for 100 years and where do they put you they do they put you in a in, in a basement somewhere and just are you like on a timer like those are all great <laughs> questions you know I mean? no, those are really good questions but i'm wondering it, it must be something where you have to pay up front Mm -hmm. Because what if you don't make it during that experiment? What if you don't make in, it at all? In cryo you're just, sleep or you're any just of those cryos. giving them $28,000. <laughs> right. So it's like you would, you would think that you have to pay up front. Mm -hmm. And if they do preserve your body, maybe at that point you do end up having to pay a certain amount of money. Or maybe it's done. Okay. I think I, I got it. Cryotherapy is when they, you know, freeze your body to a certain point that it doesn't cause hypothermia i've seen um like athletes do it after like a workout or after they train okay or whatever. so it's a temporary so situation. they just i don't think they put you to sleep or anything they just cool your body down i guess in order to, to help it heal cryo sleep is when they actually put you to sleep and you're still alive but you're now sleeping in right a sleeping state and cryogenetics is just like the study of it so cryo sleep Cryo sleep, are you dead or are you still alive? You're still alive. You're still alive. So that means that they put you in a coma. I guess so, <laughs> technically. But it makes sense because... Because cryopreservation might be that you die, right? No, nah, they just... Well, maybe. Because they're preserving your body. Right. So what's the difference between being that and, a, and being a mummy? Your body doesn't decay, I guess. This is over my head. <laughs> this is above me. Nah, I'm just curious because it, it makes sense. Like, what if, all right, what if the planet was going to be destroyed or something or we messed it up to the point that we can't revive the planet, right? And we find another planet in the solar system. And the only way we can get there is through, like, cryo sleep because it's so far away. So the average human lives, like, up to 75 to 80 years or maybe 100 if you're lucky so in order for a lot of us to get to that planet that's sustainable we will have to be sleep because we can't sit on a, a spaceship <laughs> for a hundred thousand light years you know and survive without eating and shit like that something that's really shocking to me and i i get what you're saying but something that's very shocking to me is that a lot of these theories, these scientific theories, is something that I would just imagine would just be a science fiction movie. Mm -hmm. 
but um it's hard for me to take something like that seriously but it's happening right mm. and it could be something that does become factual no. where you have people that are preserving heads or preserving bodies and i don't know 20 to 30 years from now they're somehow reviving or bringing life back to people that makes me wonder if that has any relationship to a film that we were watching mm. that i know I, I was reading somewhere that they do actually do that where they've been saving someone's personality digitally yep so that they can revive them or if they don't stay alive that you can have a robot. clone of yourself that's a robot that expresses the same emotion the same type of characteristics surrogates and personality that you have avatars crazy man it i'm a firm believer that everything they show us in the media now yeah. science fiction is f true that's why i love like things like star trek mm. you know um who were facetiming before face back in the early 90s they were facetiming they were talking on their watches you know what mm. i mean they were um holograms and stuff you know what i mean and Pretty soon we'll be teleporting once they figure that out and they doing like cryogenic I, yeah. stuff like that and traveling through space. So I'm pretty sure that it is possible or they have the technology right now. They're just not showing us. They're not that ready today. to show it yet. Mm -hmm. I can believe that theory and I can believe that that's what's happening. And movies could be like a preview to what's to come in the future. Mm -hmm. So the FaceTime thing, they probably had the FaceTime. Probably you back know, in the 50s, All 60s. the way back when Star Trek was happening. Mm -hmm. But it's like you have to give us technology in small doses mm -hmm. <laughs> because you never know, um, you know, experimentally how it can affect a group of people. So perhaps they do studies prior to it or try to figure out how to monetize. So you would never consider cryogenically preserving your body? And wake up to something that I don't know is going to be happening? That'd be weird. That's trippy. Like, you wake up, but what if I forget that I did that to myself? Mm. And then someone's making decisions as to what to do with my body. There's a um, another movie that I've seen with that, with um, Sylvester Stallone. Um, I don't think it was Demolition Man. It was, some, it was another movie with Wesley Snipes in it, right? Mm. And um, they, I guess, preserved Wesley Snipes in... He was like a, a criminal or something. And somebody woke him I up. I remember that film. You see, remember yeah. that? And then they revived Stallone to mm -hmm. um, go fight him or whatever. But it's been a whole bunch of movies with like cryogenics and stuff like that. But it's imagine weird. what kind of chaos you would have to ensue. Mm. Because people are still going to be poking and prodding to figure out how your body's reacting to being, you know, revived in a new world or a new space. What if they put you on a different planet? Like, there's so many different things that they could do while you're cryo-sleeping. What else you think they can do? Anything. I mean, steal your DNA. Mm. <laughs> um, put you on a different planet or, you know, figure out if you can... I don't know. I think about medical apartheid and shit like that because mm. we're black. <laughs> so mm. I don't know what they could possibly do if you were to put yourself in that process. And it could be for anyone because I think... If you go through a process of still being in an experiment, they're still going to experiment, like, you know, mm -hmm. try to figure out how you're navigating through life because it's a new, what is it? A new experiment. Mm. One. You will always be a socialist experiment. One theory 
that I would love to see. Like, I'm a science fiction TV nerd, and I used to watch this joint called Stargate. Mm-hmm. And it's basically based on this premise of this, like, extremely ancient but advanced alien race that died off. But they went to these different planets and societies and dimensions, and they um built these Stargates. And it's just like putting in a... a, a it's a circle with like different symbols around the circle and just like a lock, whatever number or whatever number you put in the lock or whatever code you put in a lock, it sends you to a different place or a different planet, a different reality. There's like stories in, in, in ancient Peru and Africa and um, Mesopotamia, like ancient Mesopotamia of these stargates mm-hmm. of like big, megaliths and monuments of doors that lead to nowhere it's just like a a, a, a entrance a door and behind that door it's just like rock and stuff like that right and i'm thinking like what if those were gates that lead you to like different dimensions or different planets or even different places on the planet mm-hmm. what if that was their version of teleporting back in the day or just traveling in general mm-hmm. and um I would love to like just like travel to another planet somewhere where you know it's a different people, a different society, like an alien. Yeah, you would love I, to see what's, yeah, what's out there. Because who who wants to sit on a a, a, a rusty <laughs> ass spaceship for a hundred years? Just transport me to a different planet, you know, quick and as quick as you can say what's up. You know what I mean? Just. What if it's know. not sweet on the other side? At least you tried. Is that what you're saying? Like, at least you got an opportunity. Yeah. But what okay. if it is? It's, it's like endless possibilities. Right. And that's why I feel like I'm not the type of person to be excited about the unknown. Mm. <laughs> that already is like something that would pr- potentially make me wonder about the what ifs mm. instead of just going for it. And I see the difference between you and me. I'm like, no, I'd rather die than be. <laughs> mm. Cryos preserved. Yeah. Oh, another dope movie that I like. Uh, you remember Jet Li's The One? Yes. One of my favorites. When he was like traveling through different dimensions mm-hmm. and meeting himself, mm-hmm. and the evil Jet Li was <laughs> killing his, himself so he can get all the power. Mm-hmm. Like, that's stuff like that is just interesting. It's dope. To me. And it could be partially true. There, there could be a source of information Mm. that we claim is imagination however it actually is there is some truth to it Mm -hmm. there are so many stories about going into a different dimension Mm -hmm. where it's like okay do we want to believe it like is this real Mm -hmm. (laughs) um even even the dinka tribe having stories Mm -hmm. They've been telling for thousands of years of star systems that we're just discovering today. That who's discovering today, though? That's the question. That Western society is just discovering today. Like stuff that you wouldn't be able to see with the naked eye. You know what I mean? You have to have a telescope or some type of satellite that can see that far. So, and then how did they have that technology? You could have more advanced technology. Even, um, um... what is it called? Adinkra symbols. Mm-hmm. A lot of those symbols revolve around like mathematics and geometry. 
you know, and those are like thousands of years old. Like same. I mean, the pyramids could people still can't fathom how they were built because right. it was impossible for it to be just man-made, right? With your bare hands and a few tools. Exactly. They still like, can't figure it out. These. I don't know. I just like had a theory. Like this is kind of off topic, but I had a theory. Like some of our ancient ancestors even though we're like from here but not really from here you know maybe there was like a what are you implying like a a cataclysm or some type of situation where our ancestors had to leave another planet or leave another star system or maybe we didn't maybe we were just traveling you know through space maybe people are flying i don't know (laughs) and we ended up here you know what i mean yeah or maybe we just had like different different like colonies across the stars and stuff back in the day you know just these just these people who they deem like uh uncivilized and advanced and stuff like that having these different stories of like star systems that's so far away you know and talking about people who came from the stars and taught them in different techniques on farming and agriculture and you know, building and shit like that is, is crazy to me. What if the information we were provided about history was co- the complete opposite? I believe it. I believe it. I definitely believe it. It's crazy, man. It, it seems like with science fiction today will be science fact tomorrow. Facts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what what's drones? You couldn't even imagine having a drone back in the early well, 2000s. Well, people couldn't imagine having the internet. Or, or cell phones. Or cell phones. That, that's, that's crazy to me. Because it, it, we're living in our normal now. Mm. But 10, 20, 15 years from now, this will be something that's ancient. <laughs> an ancient practice or an quick. ancient behavior. That's quick. It's not so long ago. Early mm-hmm. 2000s when I got my first cell phone. It was not in color. It was right. a block. I mean, the battery lasted like 20 days. 20 days, right. You didn't have to charge it all the time. It right. It could last a whole freaking week. And the only thing I had on there was uh, uh, the snake game. I was about to say snake game, pretty much. But from... We didn't have Uber. Uber's a thing now. Right. Delivering so food. Early 2000s to 2022, 22 years. A lot has so happened think in 22, 22 years. 22 years from now, what it's going to be like. Right. Or even five, ten years from now. Right. Another thing that uh, we take for granted or are just behaving like it's a normal thing now is self-checkout. Mm. Where now we're no longer relying on human support for mm-hmm. you know moving the industry and moving things forward. We can have things that do not require a human being for it to be completed. Do you think we're moving too fast? Do you think we're moving too slow? I don't know. Because how... <laughs> okay, since like the Iron Age, we go from riding horses to, you know, wagons and horses to um, bikes to, you know, automobiles. A lot of that has happened in, in, in trains and all of a sudden planes mm-hmm. and stuff like that and boats. A lot of that has happened in a very short period of time. 
But it's like you keep saying we like it's our choice. We just have to move along with the progression of technology. Do we? We do. We, yeah. have, we, we need cell phones in order to communicate now. Nobody really reads a map to go from point A to point B. We rely on GPS. Remember when Bama's had carrier pigeons? That was their cell phones back in the day. <laughs> or messages. People used wow. to have to either run or get on a horse and ride to the next um, village to tell, you know, information to somebody Man, else. It, it, it's like the short amount of time from dial-up to Wi-Fi, like dial-up to <laughs> fast, high-speed internet. Man. Imagine waiting for the dial-up. Like dial-up used to take five to six minutes. You had to sit there between five to six minutes for your email to be sent. And that crazy noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the games, it. and the games, man, like the games look so real now. I remember when I first got my PlayStation, I was, I was like, damn, this technology is so good. It's right, not going to get any poor. better. Yeah, uh-huh. And it was all blocky and, and crazy and funky looking. And all of a sudden, it, it's like you're in the game. Or in the film now, because when we used to watch television or movie shows, there was a little bit of static towards mm-hmm. it. And now it's like you could just be standing right in front of the person. That's how it feels when you watch it. You know, high definition screen television. What's your prediction on the next five to ten years? What what, what a hologram? Like literally, we I got mean, holograms. We, I mean, now. we have that now, but I'm saying like instead of you watching or feeling like you're watching a film, you're gonna be immersed around mm. the experience. Mm. So kind of how what they wanted to do with 3D, but I feel like there's gonna be some sort of technology where it's gonna be literally like a projection. A projection of yeah. the, the action happening right before you. Funny thing is, they used to have that in um, Star Trek too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we're just gonna live, <laughs> live or even, through, or even situation, even through situations. I mean, they got that now, mm-hmm. like through VR. But even situations where you can role play, but you don't have to put on like an apparatus over your right. eyes. Right. So I mean, it's already that. happening now. I'm talking about holograms. We have virtual reality. Yep. Where, I mean, everybody's going to have those goggles. And if they don't, there's probably going to, you could put on some contacts in the next 15 to 20 years mm-hmm. to actually live through whatever person you want to be, whatever avatar you choose to be. I think we're going to have robots. That is scary to me because. That's, doing, that's like maids that's serving us and all that. And then all of a sudden, robots going to be like, we are people too. And they're right, going to take over the world. Tough one there. Yeah, it's going to be I crazy. That happening. However, um, I did want to address, though, when you asked me, because I was playing around, if we're moving too fast. I do feel like technology in some ways is beneficial for society. However, I noticed that a lot of us that have been introduced to technology, technology has now become part of our lives. Mm. Whereas when we had phones that would last a week, those phones were not our everything. Mm. But literally everyone could not function without their phone. Uh, is technology making us um, less intelligent? To an extent, yes. Because back in the day... You don't have used, to read a book. You can Google what the book was about. Back in the day, we used to have to, like, calculate stuff in our brains. Now You can Google it. You don't have to count. And you don't have to do any but of that. when I was in education, you can kind of see how very... Like, there's... You don't even have to think. Mm-hmm. You really don't have to think if you don't want to. Because the information is right on the internet. You can just type what you want. Maybe or you, you can have get artificial a, intelligence yeah. to type in, write a paper about so-and-so, such-and-such. And I was just about you. to say that. Right. So it's like 
um, there's that, but there's also a lack in effective communication between human beings with one another. Mm-hmm. Where it's so easy to text, but if you try to have a conversation with someone, it's not, it's not going to be as intimate as it would be if you just twiddled your thumbs on, on the So phone how do phone. we communicate? Elon Musk said um, in a few years he's created this thing called Neuralink. So instead of a cell phone in our hands, it'll be a cell phone in our brain. So we have to, I think we won't be able to vocally communicate within the next hundred years. We'll just be telepathically talking to each other. So someone, instead of hacking your laptop, can hack your brain. Boom. And instead of texting on your phone, you'll be texting in your head. So what's the point of having a mouth if you don't need to talk? Maybe that's what. Maybe it's it's gonna be silence in the future because. Will it's we easier. evolve not to have mouths? Stop that! I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. I'm just saying. Will we look well, like we would those? have mouths, but I think that it'll be mush mouth where we can't have conversations. We won't about. need it. What what will we need it for? It's a waste of space if we don't need it. Do you think that's how evolution works? I think those little gray aliens that they show (laughs) us in shows and and what these white people are talking about is us from the future. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) I just fucked everybody. With the big eyes and like the big brain heads because we got got technology in our heads now instead of our computers. You're doing too much. (laughs) All right. We just went down a rabbit hole. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. And if you are an artist or a business person, please send us a message so we can uh, interview you. All right, family. Peace. Peace.